When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Get access to actionable news and market research with all the information you need to invest smarter and profit faster. Start your free trial today at pro.benzinga.com. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Tuesday edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel, Dennis Dick, Joel Conan will be with us if and when he can get his internet worked out. But the show must go on nonetheless. Uh, what are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about why the dip works again. We're going to talk a little bit of GameStop. We'll talk some Bitcoin. We'll talk CCIV. We will talk poultry stocks for the first time, and I don't even know how long. Sanderson Farms reportedly up for sale. Uh, we'll take questions from our chat, and I'm very excited for our guest here today, Dave Lauer, uh, old friend of the program, longtime friend of Dennis, uh, has not been on our show for quite some time, and he is the CEO of Irvin AI. Uh, you may have seen him on CNBC, on Reddit. He is a former uh, trader at Citadel, and he's going to come on and talk to us about the entire thing the the amc the payment for order flow the naked short selling the entire thing that um has been dominating this market this year uh very excited for that at 8 35 uh in the meantime go ahead and drop us a like if you can we'd appreciate that and since joel's not here i will just tell you guys we are up pretty much uh across the board in stocks bitcoin is still down uh crypto ethereum is still down gold is flat um but the S&Ps are back up. It's almost like yesterday didn't even matter, right? The S&Ps, the NASDAQ, the Russell is flat. But, you know, we're back up in stocks. It's buy the dip, Dennis. Buy the dip works again. Buy the dip works overnight. Buy the dip works yesterday. Buy the dip. I mean, we're 1% from all-time highs. I guess it's always worked in the SPY because we're up near all-time highs. So sometimes those dips last longer than you like. But overall, buy the dip, probably the best strategy in the history of the markets. Yeah, it's only, if Joel were here, he would... That's what he said yesterday. Is like yes, yesterday just didn't matter, or the day before Friday didn't. Yeah, matter. we quickly right. forget it's the market that is so forgiving 
and it continues to forgive. Yeah, okay, we're going to worry that, oh, maybe the Fed's going to start to uh, not spike the Kool-Aid as much as they were spiking it before. Uh, we won't worry about that. Let's just buy the dip anyways. TLT explosion, um, and then the implosion a little bit yesterday, helping the bank stocks uh, two days ago, or actually helping the bank stocks yesterday because it moves opposite. But this is the market that, like we said, it just it forgets quickly, and it's hard to get bearish. Even when we're pulling back, you're like, well, we're setting up. You know, We look like we could sell off. But you cannot break that mentality that if I buy the dip, I'm going to make money. And as soon as there's a dip of 1%, 2%, people are flocking back into SPY. They're flocking back into stocks. You know, We have had prolonged sell-offs in certain sectors, but SPY overall has struggled. And you know, with the biggest dip that we've had since the COVID crisis back in March of, of 2020, I believe, is only 9%. So we've had you know, pretty much straight up since March 2020, and that just... Uh, continues it's hard to be a bear yeah i mean if i recall we were feeling pretty um pretty bearish dare i say it was around here probably around here too um Hell yeah maybe here i was bearish <laughs> i was bearish the entire month of april and may i was like i don't think we're past this and you know yeah. what then i had to realize in june i was like maybe we're past this <laughs> i was trying to regroup and rebuy stocks and what I mean, that's what you've got to do at a certain point in time. You know, cash is nice when it's going down, but cash has been very difficult to be in, you know, if not just from an inflation perspective, but just from missing out. And that's the fear out there. It's the fear of missing out. And that does not go away. And I don't know what breaks that mentality. We got a little bit of fear in the crypto market. So that fear of missing out has turned into just fear in the crypto markets. But don't rate it off. I mean, I'm still holding a little bit of Ethereum, a slight little bit of Bitcoin, nothing else. I never bought any of the other ones. I know we've had Dogecoin down. Somebody was saying it was down 69% or something. Everybody thought that was funny uh, from the highs. Um, obviously, Saturday night live topping event. But 30,000 is big. We're right there on Bitcoin. It could take it out here today. Let's see what it does there. Support it, support until it's broken. It is a triple bottom there, so that's hard support, and it's trying to hold. I tend to think it's going to take it out, like I said yesterday, because you usually don't have those triple bottoms. Usually it's one shot, you bounce, two shots, and then the third one's a charm, and they usually take it out. But it's you know anything can happen in these markets. I don't think the Bitcoin story is completely over, but it's definitely spooking a few people now. Yeah, and then of course, you know, every time there's a big dip on Bitcoin, like yesterday, the it's just a steady parade. Whether it's Michael Saylor or whoever saying, "Oh, everything is fine, everything is fine, everything is fine, this is normal." Um, you know, I I've got Bitcoin that I have no intention of selling. So I threw uh, some in the long term investment account. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. Just trying to forget that I own it, even though yeah. I sold half. <laughs> I sold half. And I said I'm forever playing with the house's money. You know, now it's come back down. I originally bought it seventeen thousand. I was like, why didn't I sell it all? I should have sold it all, but I'm still yeah, so, holding so it. I, I don't remember as if I need I need to, but I don't remember the reason. Whatever that that I don't want to call, would call it a flash crash, or I don't know if you call it that. In May, they, they had that one overnight. That it was over that weekend, right in mid May, and we're like you said, Dennis, we're right there. We are right there, and this is. Uh, that 30,000, look at those levels. Yeah. Like that is the yeah. level of all levels. It's an ugly head and shoulders pattern. So if yeah. you take out that neckline here, I mean, we look like we're heading back towards where I bought it around the 17,000 area. That's when we had the big move back and thanks after Thanksgiving, I think it was. Yeah. Well, it, I, it's not a pretty chart, but I, you know, it 
patterns, you know, we're always pointing out every head and shoulders pattern doesn't always resolve itself to the downside either. Yeah, but know, like, so. what, what about every single? Because we always talk about the only way to trade this is te is technically. What about all the the technicians out there? There's a lot looking at that, that head and shoulders. And 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 you know, what if it does break below thirty? Then you got every technician under the sun is saying, oh, yeah. uh oh, sell this baby, sell this baby, right? So regardless of whether of the bitcoin thesis or whatever you think about it you get people trading it from you know, from the short side because they see it just broke a key level so or they're just selling out or people who just well, don't want to hold through that because they think it's going to break a key level there's a lot of people leaning on that level yeah so you know watch for the gil morales cut through and rally trick too <laughs> where sometimes you know you cut through and everybody gets bearish and everybody sells and you get that you know we'll drop like twenty eight thousand. we get back up over thirty thousand. it could be a false breakdown too and Gil Morales has, you know, that talks about that cut when he comes on the show, you know, the cut through, you know, come back down and then you start to rally. That trade works a lot of times too. So, I mean, technical analysis is, is you know, one of the tools that you got to use for crypto because it's difficult from a fundamental basis. But again, it's only one tool in the toolbox. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to this. Oh, you know, and I should mention since, since, since you mentioned uh, the Fed, Jerome Powell is due to speak, uh, testify in front of Congress today, at, I think two o'clock Eastern. So have that on your radar. Um, let's talk. Where should we go? You want to go CCIV? You want to go GameStop? Where, where should let's we? start GameStop. We'll do. We'll get All the right. meme stocks out of the way. I don't know if you sure. can call it. I guess this is a meme stock. I guess it's the meme stock. It's a meme stock that started all meme stocks. Yep. So the news this morning uh, that they had com they've completed their at the market uh, stock offering. Uh, so congratulations to GameStop for raising some money. Uh, the exact numbers. Let me get the exact numbers for you right here. Uh, they raised one point two six billion dollars uh, in their at the money or at the market offering program, and uh, the stock is up big on that headline. Dennis, you and I were talking earlier. Uh, Historically, this is the kind of headline that would be a nothing burger mm -hmm. for a stock. This mm -hmm. would not. That's not to say this is bad news. It's it, it's not, but it's not, it, it's not. It's typically no news. It, it's no news, right? The, this kind of a headline would already be priced in because you assume, oh, when you announce an offering, then eventually you're gonna fit. It's gonna be done, right? <laughs> like yeah. the market just looks past it. So it is just wild how every single one of these headlines. Can be interpreted by the by by the masses. Oh, it's great news! They we're done up. selling, so now it has to go up. Right, right. That's well, what they're thinking. It's just wild, you know. Eight percent. It's up eight percent on this. Wow. I mean, this is GameStop. Yeah, I, the stock I mean, can go anywhere. James is asking why these headlines matter. Historically, they don't. They don't. They don't. But they do hear if somebody on Reddit or somebody in social media is pounding the table and saying, "Now they're done selling. The offering's over. Now we can go to the moon." I don't know. Are they taking GameStop to the moon too? I know they're taking AMC there. Is there enough room for GameStop on the moon as well? There's, is there anybody that's say GameStop to the moon or is yeah. it just AMC going to the moon? No, it, it, GameStop was the original mooner. Oh, it was. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they already took GameStop to the moon. Now they're trying to take AMC there uh, as well. I don't know if it quite got to the moon. It got into orbit for sure. Got into orbit. For sure. Um, you know, I think it got, you know how like Bezos isn't like going to like space space. He's going to like the outer atmosphere. He's going, That's what GameStop does. He's going like 60 miles outside the atmosphere. That's where GameStop got it, like the edge of space. And then it came back down. 
So maybe Insomni needs to hop on the Blue Origin. Most what? unpredictable stock. Yeah. Um. Sometimes you get some setups, and there's been some setups when it was breaking out through 200 in late May. It's like, okay, it's starting to open up here, and this can actually go again. But you're in the middle of nowhere here. This is the curveball of all curveballs. I don't even try to trade this most of the time because it's difficult and unpredictable. And if you're using any type of risk management, you're getting stopped out usually because this thing just trades with a wild range. You think, okay, yeah, I'm going to lean on this level and now uh, you're stopped out so um if you're not using risk management techniques maybe you know you don't get stopped out nearly as much but i don't want to get caught holding the bag because i don't have fundamentals to lean on a lot of times you know my longer term investment portfolio is like i don't mind owning this i don't mind taking some heat here because i like the company i like the fundamentals i like the valuation you can't lean on that in the gamestop story so you're just leaning on technicals and you're leaning on story and the story cools off you can get stuck so I kind of just don't trade this thing at all. Notice the decline in volume, right? I mean, it's been on a slow and steady March lower pretty much since March. So um, interesting. Maybe people are... For, for that reason, I would say this is more probably more of an opportunity to lighten up. But again, I've <laughs> been I, I've seen the stock do so many crazy things that I just don't even want to swing at that pitch. Fair enough. Fair enough. AMC with a rough day. We might as well talk it too. Uh, we're, yep. we're talking the meme stocks and rough day yesterday pulled back significantly. Got a few people caught from the day before and a couple days before that everybody thought it was going back to the 70. Did not make a new high on the last move. That is concerning from a technical perspective. I'd say massive resistance now up at 60. Um, it's going to take some work. I just don't see this thing just blasting off to 75 now because now you got people caught, people who may be buying 60 on the breakout because not everybody, believe me, is hodling this thing. There's a lot of people who um, you know, are still trading this thing. And yesterday it looked like, okay, well, maybe early in the morning we're getting some life. We're looking good. We're up at 62, 63. And then they pulled the rug out from under and it basically went straight down 10 bucks. So you got some traders, short-term traders caught in this thing now too, hoping to get their money back. I think you got massive resistance up to 58, 59. This one's an easier one to call technically. I think this thing's going to see 50, and I think you could see it soon. But also, if I can uh, play the other side of that argument here, is everyone like, oh, no, AMC, oh, it's down 5%. Oh, God. It was back where it was on Thursday, right? Yeah. Take it chill. It's in a range. Take it chill. It's in a range. I'm not in love with that chart, though. So I you know, you got the classic move and then you get the move up. And when you don't make a new high on the next move, which maybe we're still going to do that, but we've been struggling up there a few times here now. Um, there's overhead supply here now. And that, and we talk about overhead supply and that is going to come into, into play here. It's not smooth sailing. First time up here, there's no overhead supply. Shorts are getting squeezed. Now shorts are saying, oh, I can lean on this 60, 62 area a little bit. So they're leaning on it. I think it's got some massive resistance up at 60 now. So I don't think it's as easy sailing as it was maybe, you know, that it looked to be a week ago. If you can't handle 5% decline and you're holding this thing, then get out of the kitchen is all I can say, because uh, that's that's a nothing burger for what this, um, can, for what this can do. And you've got to be aware of that. And yeah. if you're holding this thing, and maybe these people are going to hold it forever. But again, you look at it. $28 billion market cap, and you don't have the fundamentals to lean on. I mean, what, what did we say in the peak when we were looking up the market cap of AMC? In okay. the peak, you know, when we go back to, you know, four yeah. or five or six years ago when the movie theater had its all time, or previous all time high, what was the market cap? Like $5 billion, $6 billion? Yeah. So I think we it, looked it up. But, yeah, I, you know, so, I think it was like 10. Was it like 10? I don't even know if it got to 10. 
So you're oh, talking a company that's three yeah. trading for three times more than it was when movie theaters were at their peak. So three yeah. or four times more, maybe even more than that. We got to grab what that old market cap was, but it's difficult. is isn't, you know, the fundamentals here aren't there either, but you know, there's right. a story here. There's a movement. That means anything can happen. That means I'm not shorting the stock, but I definitely don't want to be long at this point. All right. Uh, before I forget a happy birthday to Nick Malucci in chat. Ooh, happy birthday. Nick. Um, let's move on. Let's move away from that. Let's go to uh, from meme land. Let's go to lucid land. Okay. Uh, borderline meme sometimes as well, but uh, oh, we can't well, get away from these memes. Well, well, what the CEO was on, was on CNBC. Is that yeah. What? About a ha- about 45 minutes ago, CEO on CNBC with Andrew Ross Sorkin. Interesting interview. Very confident CEO um, made some very bold claims saying that lucid technologies will be right up there with Tesla as the leader in EV. Um, and he went as far to say that, you know, just it's so great for America that you've got Tesla and Lucid, you know, two American companies going to lead the EV charge. And I'm like thinking, there's a lot of other EV players here. And and Andrew Osorkin right away came back with them when he said that. What about General Motors? And he went as far to say, well, we'll see if General Motors can do what they say, they what they think they can do. I'm like, wow, man. You know what? I'd bet on General Motors. I am betting on General Motors before I'd bet on Lucid Technologies. Is there upside here? Potentially. The valuation still, what's this thing worth? Let's just go a look, you know, and I know fundamentals don't matter, but at certain points they do. And I think they have started to matter for some of these other EV plays as well. CCIV valuation, we're looking, trying to grab it. Where's my? Uh, You're trying to grab it too. Billion. billion. Okay. So it's, it's still fairly, it's not a huge valuation, but I mean, what they, what they say, they got 50,000 orders or was it 500,000 orders? I don't Uh, know if it was 50,000 or 500,000. He just, he said said they're on schedule. To, as far as yeah. deliveries, which not hey, not everybody can say right. And then he also said that the that valuation, which you seem to think is is not very large, and I think is quite large. Um, it it it's, it's the technology is is it's not the the how many cars can you build. It's not uh, the co- underlying commodity valuations like lithium for for example. It's it's the revolutionary technology. That justifies the valuation. So that's what they say. That's what they say. That's, that's what, what they, they say. say. Somebody's saying, "Why doesn't General Motors buy CCIV? Why would they do that? Yeah. Why would Ford buy them? I I looked at that. You know, that's Ford F one fifty. Forbes had an F one fifty showing that new F one fifty. I was like, wow, that's an awesome car. I mean, look, they they could he could end up being right, right? I mean, like this could end up being sure. You know, we we don't we don't know. We're not like poo pooing it. We. No, don't. no, I am poo-pooing it. I'll say it. I am poo-pooing it. I think he's a very overconfident. The interview came off as very overconfident, very, um, you know, just dismissive of the competition. And, I mean, they have everything to prove. Let's let's be honest here. They have a concept. They have some orders. But they have everything to prove. So just to talk down General Motors didn't didn't really sit well with me. Um, you know, I'm long General Motors, I'm long Ford, I'm long Honda, I'm long all these traditional automakers as EV plays. Um, people, are, you know, some people don't like those, but you know what? I've doubled my money in general and Ford. General Motors has been a great one here too. Um, they've come back down recently. Yeah, I still think there's, you know, the valuation is attractive, and I think they're going to be major players in EV. So, uh, oh, we got one on Oh, that's the Arc email. We got the ARC email from last. See, she sends it out in the morning here now. Do you want to go see what Kathy bought? Wait, just now? Yeah. 
I, I, I'm just going to do it daily. I'm they, I guess she doesn't send it at night now. She just sent it here right now, the ARC email. So I'm looking really? at it right now. Oh, that's that's it. It. I didn't see it last night. Well, live on the show. We've never had that. That's the ARC email from yesterday. She doesn't like to send it at night because she doesn't want us to trade on it, I guess. But what did she buy? What did she buy? Ooh, okay, 23 transactions. Uh, more than yeah. a few days. Uh, what did she buy? Ro- more Roblox. You know what? I like. I kind of like Roblox here. It's trying to hold this 80. A little cut through and rally trick yesterday. I kind of like the RBLX setup. So that's our big buy yesterday. 181,000 shares. BZ. Um, what is what is that? She sold Raven. Not I get taking taking profits. Oh yeah, you're right. That is a Kathy one, huh? Yeah. Okay. Stand corrected. Um. Ba, 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 ba. She sold pins. She sold snap. She I'm just trying to look at the big more, ones here. More BLDE again. She bought more JD. Yeah. She, she a lot. She bought Baba too. She buys Baba every day. I feel like, and, and she's like, but not and, much. And, and, and it's only seven thousand shares of Baba. Oh no, twenty-seven thousand. The other account too. She bought PDD, which she always buys. Yeah. Um, she so, always picks on the same one. She likes to buy a thousand times. That, that Pinterest sell is interesting. How many Pinterest shares is that? Just the yeah, just three hundred and twenty-one thousand shares of Pinterest. Kramer gave her and, and summed her up really well. She might be the best average downer in the history of the markets. Maybe. <laughs> Kathy was the average downer. She adds to losers fiercely and competitively, and she adds so much and so often that eventually they bounce back a little bit. She makes some money. She may be the best average downer. That's what Kramer said. She was, might be the best average downer in the history of the markets. I kind of agree with that. Kramer Maybe. kind of summed her up well. All right, she wait, you just need a lot down. of money, man. You just need a lot of money, Dennis. You just need a lot of money. You hope those redemptions don't start. <laughs> yeah. Uh wait. Do do we? I'm not sure if if we have Joel or not. We we may have Joel. Do we have Joel? Hey, good morning, good morning, guys. Okay. How you doing? How you, How you doing? Have... You okay? Yeah. The uh, you know, my generator's been like going on and off. We've had these power surges, and it's just it's been messing with my internet. So I'm just uh, the the power goes down, and then the generator goes on, and then it comes back. So. But I'm good. I'm still trying to get my camera working. But uh, how are we doing this morning? How's everyone doing? We're we're trading up again. Uh, did we mention Powell speaking today? I did. Yes, two o'clock. Okay. Yeah. All right. So that that exciting. should be interesting. Very That's, exciting. So yeah, very exciting. But uh, no, we're just right back. Uh, we're up six and three quarters, but we actually tacked. Um, we tacked six points on uh, after the close. So we're basically where we were at, uh, where we went out at 8 o'clock as well. But uh, another strong day, what, 20 handles from all-time closing high, right? 40, uh, 45, 75. I guess that'll be our bonus. Buy the for dip, today. Joel. Buy the, buy the dip. dip, win money. Isn't that the way it goes? <laughs> win money. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. What about crypto? Can you guys get in there and buy some crypto? What's going on? I don't know if it applies to crypto. (laughs) Maybe it does. I'm not. As somebody, I had multiple texts. Did you add to your Bitcoin and Ethereum position? No. No. I I actually, I want to sell it all, but (laughs) maybe this is the time to buy when you want to sell it all. Is the 30,000, we'll take it back there for one second for Joel. Is the 30,000 Bitcoin level going to hold? What is your prediction? It already, uh, no. No, no, clear. No, no it's too close. Like, we've been—I mean, we've been hanging out here for a couple days, right? Well, one, two, three, four, five, six days in a row. Uh, it's down a couple grand. Uh, you know, it will—it will, 
it will bounce, but it's just real. Is it going to turn to be resistance? Is what we got to see over the couple days. I mean, it's still kind of support, but what's going to happen is you're going to dip into the twenties, right? You know, make that twenty-eight five low or twenty-eight low, and kind of like we did with forty. So you know, right now, right now, it looks like it's it's turning into resistance, and just where where's the story? Where's you know where's the where's the pizzazz? Where's Dogecoin? I mean, you know, it's just it's turned, and which is good for the market, right? When these things, you know, out of Bitcoin, is it good for the market? There's a fantastic question let's debate that even chat is the crypto sell-off good for equity so far so good but we have seen a positive correlation the equity market sell-off led you know really where the crypto started sell off before we have seen a positive correlation you know even back to march think back to march of 2020 when they said bitcoin is going to be the safety play and we went into a pandemic and everybody panicked that we might not have hydro the way this thing was it wasn't it wasn't the safety play we thought it was yeah and bitcoin went you know and, and basically crashed with the overall market i i would argue that there's a pretty positive correlation between crypto markets and the equity markets and what does that mean for the equity markets if crypto decides not to bounce back well, it's going to take. Or does it mean nothing? It's going to take all the crypto stocks with it, right? Obviously. Well, uh, crypto but, stocks, but we're talking regular stocks. Right. In the regular stock market. If crypto, let's just say hypothetical situation, Bitcoin goes back to 15,000. Do the stocks ignore it? Because, uh, yes, because I don't know how much, like, you know, a lot of times we talk about like, like flows over pros, right? Like the movement of the market is just like, fun flows more than anything else and um how much institutional adoption is there really in, in crypto probably we're still early days in that and that's that's the bull case right is that mm-hmm. all the big banks are just now giving their high net worth clients access to this stuff right so um and if that's the bull case then it should also work on the downside too how how much big money big traditional wall street money is, is in crypto i don't think that much now, so 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 from that side of things, it could it could uh, stocks could hold up. The other side of that, though, is like just how much Bitcoin leverage is there, and if Bitcoin were to go down to eighteen, the unwinding of that leverage could force people to sell other stuff, you know, um, to to cover that. But I don't know how much real traditional Wall Street money is in is in crypto. For that reason, I, I would lean towards the market holding up for uh, in the case of any Bitcoin crash if it were to come. That's 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 where I'm at here. Well I think it's ev- I mean we're we're up here. I mean I think it's evident uh that Bitcoin's gone from you know sixty plus to thirty plus the, market, the markets don't care. Yeah, markets don't care. Yeah, I mean, we're still it's become like, you know, irrelevant to the market. Yep, forty forty two twenty. I mean, all time closing high forty five seventy five. Have we has the market dropped fifty percent while Bitcoin's dropped fifty percent? Mm. No, no. Well, I'm but blam- no. I'm blaming you for this thirty thousand cut through here, Joel. As well, Why? when you came no. on, it was thirty thousand two hundred, and it just dropped five hundred bucks at Joel because it, it's it, not going to hold. I'm blaming Joel for the current Bitcoin sell-off. It's continuing to go down. You're looking for the catalyst, Joel O'Connor on Benzinga's pre-market preps of the Jeez. thirty thousand is not going to Thanks, hold. Thanks. Uh... Thank you. Great. That's great for me and Spencer. Thank you, Joel. Thank you so yeah. much as we hold a little bit of Bitcoin. Hey, still. Never <laughs> frown. Dennis, never frown. Okay. 
Never frown. Average down. Never frown. <laughs> I won't be averaging down a bit. I mean, uh, well, what what do you think? You think um, El Salvador makes it a legal tender <laughs> and, uh, you know, a third world country and China is against it? I mean. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, let's move away. We talked Bitcoin twice on the show. Okay. Deserve to be t- talked about twice on the show. Sorry, Bitcoin bulls. Um, but I, there's a lot. Let, let's go talk this M and A action and SAFM. Yeah, yeah. We haven't talked to this the poultry Anderson Fire for quite some time on the show. There's a daily chart. Let's pull up a 15 minute chart so you can actually what see. What a move. Uh, the headline from last night. I think it was Dow Jones of Memory Serves that Sanderson Farms is exploring. Uh, a deal. They are saying, "Hey, everyone, we are on the market. Come and get us." According to Dow Jones. So, holy Joel. Okay, so right now they're exploring a sale. There's no deal. Exploring <sighs> a sale. Thirty bucks. That's worth thirty dollars. Exploring a sale. One fifty-eight to almost well twenty-eight dollars. I guess here now up to one eighty-six. If I was long Sanderson Farms. I would sell it as fast as I possibly could right now. One, I don't think it's going to get much more of a premium than it's already trading at. Yeah, look at chicken. This is a chicken, you know, producer. This isn't high technology. This isn't a biotech company. You know, you're already jacking a 20% premium onto the price. You don't even have a deal yet. So I think if a deal gets done, I think a deal could be under 200 bucks, even if they do get a deal. And maybe they do, you know, maybe it gets 195 and you get another 10 bucks. But I think risk reward actually almost sets up to short the stock here. Not saying to short it because I don't like shorting stocks and comes out at 200, you lose 15 bucks, you know. But I think, you know, risk reward up 30 points on just rumors uh, is a time to ring the register, in my opinion. If this was a biotech company, completely different story because they get some crazy premiums. I don't think it can get much more of a premium. I think if the deal gets done, it's going to be like 195 tops. That's my opinion. Uh, boy, oh boy. Uh, I couldn't agree with you more. Who's going to buy them? There's lots of potential buyers. It's not a huge market cap. It's not a huge. It's not that big of a company? I don't think so. Why not Amazon? They they could buy any. (laughs) Amazon wants a chicken producer. Why not? Why not? No, it, not. It's, it's only a three billion dollar company. Okay, so it's fairly small. Well, it will. I, mean, I, I think there is potential. I don't doubt that the rumors when it's, it came from DJ. Uh, Did it come from Wall Street Journal? Yeah, it came from DJ. Let me Dow Jones. Um, it came from Dow Jones. Yes. Yeah, Dow Jones. This isn't you know when Dow Jones breaks a rumor, there's usually something big too. Well, they're exploring. So, I'm exploring just, a I'm... sale, and I don't doubt that they're doing that. It's just a matter of is that worth thirty points? On a chicken producer, uh, that's a big, big pop here. Again, I, I don't think it is. I don't think it's worth that much. I, I mean, considering it was at uh, you know one fifty, what one fifty six on Friday, and now I don't. I, I, I totally agree with you on that one. I, I don't know. Just pop. I'll give you the pop where it went to, and then you can do your own work at home. Uh, it got to 188.69. It's right up there right now. Usually with these things is you wait, right? And the, kind of like the longer the deal doesn't come, then the more you're concerned. Yeah. So right now, hey, everyone's happy. They're bidding it. They're looking for, you know, the highest possible price. But, you know, time. Just just the, how the time elapses on it would be is what I would uh you know, the longer it takes for a deal to come, the more of a chance I think it, it uh, tails off. Yeah, just my opinion. 
I would I have no position in it, so it's just my opinion, but I would sell it if I owned it. What, what should... Tyson's twenty six billion dollar market cap. I mean it could be Tyson, you know, because yeah. three billion isn't much for them to swallow. But it's just such a big print. I just don't think there's, you know, gonna be that huge oh, they're taking this out of two hundred and fifty bucks. I don't think that. I think it's one ninety five to two hundred, maybe in a in a you know, in a perfect world, you're gonna get one ninety five to two hundred. Well, you've got most of it already. And then if the deal doesn't materialize, it's gonna go back down to like one sixty. So risk reward sets up two to one the opposite way, I think. Maybe even three to one the opposite way. Just take a look. I know I've got two yellow lines on here, which is stupid, but um, this is just Sanderson Farms uh, year-to-date, more or less year-to-date. Sanderson, Tyson, uh, Pilgrim's Pride, and Wingstop. Wingstop was all over TV yesterday. They got this new thigh thing because I guess the price of wings is going through the roof. Yeah, you chicken oh. thighs. I like chicken thighs. Yeah. Had had them last night. So anyway, Sanderson Farms has been your best performer of the of the of the poultry group. Uh, and there's also there's also what JBS that trades uh, on OTC in the US. But th- those are your largest chicken players. So PPC is five yeah. billion dollar company. It's getting a little bit here this morning just because of Tice. If, if Sanderson's in play, maybe PPC is potentially in play too. So you get the sympathy players. I naturally think that as well. Um, PPC potential sympathy play. I have no position in it, uh, but it is bid up here this morning. Yeah. Uh, all right, that's enough. Uh, enough on the poultry uh, thing for for now. Let's move on to. We're gonna have Dave Lauer join us in like two minutes here. Okay, so give us one stock for that. We'll do one stock between now and then. Uh, I saw Tupperware was up this morning, and they yeah, announced a, they announced a buyback. Speaking of buybacks, uh, I don't. I cannot remember if I mentioned this yesterday, but we are we have already surpassed uh, the record for amount of buybacks in one calendar year. And it's not even halfway through the year yet. We have already passed the all-time record, which was set, I believe, in 2015 or 2014, uh, one of those years. We're already past that. There's been almost $600 billion of buybacks this year. Tupperware adding to that this morning, announcing a $250 million buyback. So TUP is trading up on that headline. It's tough because it's been in such a downtrend. There's so much overhead supply. There's so many bag holders in this thing. It's room. It's oversold, so there is room higher. I'd think 22.5 to 23, but it, it's kind of in the middle of nowhere. It's a tough trade. Joel, I'll throw it to you because I don't even know how to trade this one. Oh, wait. Joel, hold on. We lost Joel. No, he's here. He's here. We got him. Um, these are the kind of setups you like to see because oh, he you got to a pop, up. right? And it went to 22.20. Your three-day high, 22 and a quarter. Resistance is resistance. Still is so taken sell out. It. Yep. It backed off. I mean, it, it's showing it that's resistance for now. So also that 22 and a quarter, uh, that was your four-day close. So right there, that's what you got to get through. That's your bogey. Until you do, resistance is resistance. After that, it does open up to 23.37. Uh, but right now, backed off, hit it, trading very technical. And even it got, I don't know if those were some uh, late prints when it dipped down to 2040. Uh, but yeah, resistance is resistance till it's taken out. All right. Let's bring on our guest. Uh, super excited for him. Dave Lauer uh, in another life was a high frequency trader. Uh, now he runs Irvin AI and he's joining us now on the show. Dave, welcome. Long time hey. to speak. How are we doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me on, guys. Thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. We, 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 you're on our show before you made it big time. 
That's right. <laughs> now, now, now you're now you're too big time for us. <laughs> CNBC, that's a big time, right? <laughs> no, that's good. It's not what I was referring to. I was referring to following. You got the huge oh, following. You're like is it? Hero, you, these hero. these apes. They don't. The apes like you. I think. I love them, man. Are you part? It's... Are you part ape? I'm party. I've got to be. trying to yeah. grow the beard here. Yeah, that's right. They, they call me the silverback, so I'll take it. <laughs> what? I, w- let's just start here. Like, what do you make of of the movement? <laughs> it's. It, I find it fascinating. I really do. I, first of all, I have never um, seen this kind of popular interest in not just markets, but market structure. They, they, they actually yeah. care. They, they want, people want to learn more about it. Yeah. They want to understand what the rules are, how things work. That's the only reason that they're interested in me, right? I, that's all, <laughs> I mean, there's not much, there's not no, much you're else. You're an interesting you're... person. Don't sell yourself so third here, Dave. I mean, you know, I've been talking about market structure for a while and, and you know, nothing has come like this. So, uh, I, I found Reddit. I, I started going on there. I did an AMA with them, and that was it. You know, they it's I've been engaged in the community and helping them. Uh, you know, just sort of correcting misinformation where I see it, trying to uh, bring more information to them so they can make uh, more informed decisions. And I I think it's a really fascinating phenomenon. I think that they really do care and they're learning more and it. I think there are lots of market structure changes a lot of people want to see. I know there's a lot that we agree on. Um, and this strikes me as actually an opportunity for that because when 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 the public cares, the regulators tend to pay attention. I, I think you're making a great point there. And I mean, Dave, you've been on our show. You've come on the last 10 years. I've talked to you for 10 years about this yeah, kind of stuff. I and know. like you said, nobody's really interested. The eyes start glazing <laughs> over when we start talking market structure. They're like, get back to stocks. I don't understand all this market plumbing. I don't want to own this market plumbing but all of a sudden hey market structure is cool we need like it's that cool says, market structure is cool yeah so, so tell us how you know um, obviously you know you've told some of our fans you know when we were starting the show seven years ago but kind of sum up you know what are your thoughts here obviously you know we got the reddit movement but how can we improve you know what we're seeing with all this off exchange market making payment for order flow what are your thoughts I mean, I've said for a long time that I think uh, a a rule similar to the Canadian dark pool rules would be a very effective one, a very simple one. I, I tend to to prefer simple fixes, not incredibly complex ones. You know, the trade out rule that was part of the the um, the you know nickel pilot that was like that was a crazy complicated rule with all yeah. these exceptions and it right and in canada it's just it's so simple you want to trade off exchange you got to give material price improvement that's yeah. it right you, yeah. a full tick if the spread's more than a tick wide or half a tick if not it's a very elegant rule it, it you know i've talked to canadian regulators and and they even say they say you know we're often asked uh, how do we measure the success of this rule is it improving execution quality that kind of thing they're like we don't even care about that all we care about is what's the percentage of off exchange trading it is our policy goal to keep that lower and to keep trading on exchange and that should be the policy goal of the sec and when you make it the goal it suddenly becomes relatively easy to to make those kinds of changes so you know in terms of in terms of off exchange trading i think that's the easiest solution why and I'm going to throw this to you. Why is off exchange trading necessarily at certain levels bad for the markets? So, and I, you know, I know you agree with this, Dennis, but I, I do. <laughs> 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 you know, what, 
what you have in, in U.S. markets is you have lit exchanges. And on the lit exchange, you establish the national best bid and offer, the MBBO. Um, and that's where you have price discovery. That's the definition of price discovery. That's what it is. It's where is the MBBO? And then as that MBBO is changing, where are things trading within it? Um, and so the, the purpose of markets, twofold, right? Capital formation, price discovery. And price discovery is really what is happening on secondary markets. And so when you start taking all this trading off exchange, and all of the profitable trading, right? It's And it's happening everywhere. It's not just retail uh, internalization, it's uh, broker-owned dark pools and, and other types of you know, um, ELP providers within broker order routing algorithms. It's everywhere. They're, they're segmenting and siphoning off order flow at every possible opportunity so that only the order flow that nobody wants to trade against makes it to the exchange, which makes it really difficult to make markets on exchange. I want market makers to make money, right? I want market makers to be profitable and I want open competition for order flow. Those two things should be like, you know, uh, apple pie and, and, you know, meat and potatoes. Like how can yeah. people disagree with those things yeah. in terms of what we have for, as a goal for a market? But when market makers aren't making money, and they that then they they widen their spreads, and the 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 trading that's happening off exchange always has to happen within the spread. And so let's say I'm a market maker, right? And something's being bid ten by eleven, and I come in and I want to improve that to ten fifty. I want to I want to add a bid in there at ten fifty. I put my bid up. I take the risk in the lit market, and suddenly I see all these off exchange prints start happening at ten fifty. Or 1050, you know, 10 spot 5001 with like de minimis yeah. price improvement. And the, it's it's the internalizers free riding off my lit quote. And that's a disincentive for me to post that bid yeah. and take that risk because they're queue jumping. Yeah. Well, that's what it is. And, you know, and we've talked about this for a while too. And we've done a couple studies with the CFA Institute on this as well. I did one back in 2016, which got zero media attention because nobody understood it. But we, we went through it, you know, me and, and Svi Rasov for a long time. And we were looking at basically, we were looking at, you know, what, when, when were these executions? Let's just say, 40% of the market, you know, was off exchange and, and it's grown. I mean, you know, now where are we? Yeah. We're approaching 50 in some Almost cases, 50, yeah. but we and, were like and 37, names, 38 when we did that 70%. study. But what we kind of found is exactly what you were saying is like the lit quote was getting executed only when it was getting picked off. So we exactly. found, you know, that yeah. there, you know, even though, yeah, it was still 60% was going, you'd see, you know, the trade, the stock, and we looked at a lot of penny spread stocks where the stock was trading in between the penny. And it's all you're seeing Finner on the tape, Finner on the tape, Finner on the tape. And then all of a sudden, you know, the quote, you know, dynamics get a little bit weighted to one side, yep. quote rolls over and they pick off everybody on the bed. So, exactly. okay, well, there goes your, that's your 60% volume. They're all hitting one shot. So what we found was that the lit quote was only getting executed when it was getting ag adversely selected against, you call it, or picked off. So what that does is exactly what Dave is saying is discourages market makers. You put your bid out there and you only get it when you're losing money. You're going to be less inclined to put that bid out there next time. Yeah, I mean that's part. You know, right, right along the lines of that IEX study. I don't remember the exact numbers, but it was something like sixty percent of volume getting executed within the two milliseconds around a quote change. I mean, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah, picked off is what that yeah. is. So, yeah, it's I mean, as a market right. maker, yeah, you're not going to want to put that fifty cent bid out there if all of a sudden it's fifty cent offer on you when you're getting filled on it. So if that discourages liquidity. Eventually, spreads get wider. Now, I want to throw this back to you too. Is the only issue? 
is what they've argued is spreads are still tight. You know, spreads are still narrow. They've, you know, and and I, I'm hope I, I think I know where you're going to go. But you know, spreads you know are as narrow as you know that's you know we looked to 20 years ago and we looked to spreads now. Spreads are narrow. What are you complaining right. about? Right, 20 years ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what they do. <laughs> I know, I know. You know, the things are better than when fractions. Uh, stocks were trading <laughs> by fractions. So what are you talking about? We should have you know 50 places for stocks to trade at in 10 microseconds. Um, you know, I, I, yeah, so I think there, there are two responses to that. Um, the first is actually, and I don't know if you saw this, but uh, Alex Gurko, who's the CEO of XTX uh, Markets, has been getting active on Twitter, which has been kind of a treat because the guy really understands market structure. He works at one of the largest high-frequency firms, um, but he's not an internalizer. And so he understands the sort of disingenuousness of all these arguments. So he, his firm did a study and actually showed that U.S. spreads uh, when uh, you take liquidity into account are actually not as narrow as they could be. They, in Europe and Canada, they, they see tighter spreads um, as a factor of, or, you know, in, in terms of when adjusted for the level of liquidity, right? The U.S. are the mo most liquid markets in the world. And so you can't just look at the spreads as they sit. You have to look at them relative to the level of liquidity, especially when you're comparing against previous uh, eras or other markets. Um, so I think that's that's uh, item one. And then item two is this other study that came out um, from Hitesh Mittal. And it, it showed that, in fact, if all of that retail order flow were to be sent to exchange and therefore make market making more profitable and let market makers make tighter markets, that spreads could compress by 25% or more. I mean, that's that's a huge number. That's billions and billions of dollars that's being extracted from pension plans and mutual fund companies who have to interact with against this lit NBBO. Um, and, you know, I mean, the, the, the economic cost of that really astonishes me. I, it was actually, I, you know, we, we've talked about this for a while in a theoretical way, uh, but that 25% that number was really uh, shocking to me. How do you, what do you think the fix is for this? If it's not trade at, you know, how do they start to take volume and get it off exchange? Like, I mean, if, and, and some people argue, if you just kill payment for order flow while you know, internalizers, off exchange market makers still arguing, we're still going to get that flow because we give them a better execution. We give them size improvement. Right, um, right. We, you know, we can guarantee the bid and the offer. And, you know, it's just that relationship is already built. Um, what's, is there a fix for this? So uh, part of it, my impression is, and, and this is one of the problems with market structure, right? You, you start to like pull on a string and you end up with like the entire mesh coming with it, right? Right. So, um, it, one of the issues is SRO immunity that, you know, I mean, now you talk about eyes glazing over, but it, <laughs> it, what it comes down to is that stock exchanges are immune from legal repercussions for the, the oper their operations that involve matching buyers and sellers. And so... Uh, when a retail broker has a problem, um, they when they're dealing with an internalizer, they can go to the internalizer and say, fix this problem. But they can't go to the exchange because they have no repercussions. So they don't connect directly to the exchange. So that's one of the issues in terms of legal immunity of a for-profit uh, publicly traded self-regulatory organization that you know none of this makes any sense uh, and it's all because of regulation so we need to start to peel regulations away we need to get rid of this SRO status we need to get rid of immunity if we want uh, exchanges to be competing with each other then fine let them compete and one of the things they can could compete on is service to retail brokers potentially um, so I think it, you do need to get rid of artificial inducements 
Uh, that includes payment for order flow. That includes rebates. That includes volume-based price, you know, exchange fee tiers. It includes everything. You have to get rid of any inducements to trade that aren't based on execution quality. And then you actually need to enforce best execution. If you start to do those things and, and you get rid of SRO immunity, uh, I think you bring a ton of trading back on exchange. And I think you you really simplify the system instead of having this massively complex fragmented system. I think it benefits everybody, but it's a, it's a big ask also. All right, Dave, uh, to bring it back here, uh, how can people learn more about market structure? Um, I mean, they got to follow Dennis on Twitter, right? Follow this Dave. Dave, Dave no, I've learned a lot from Dave Lauer over the last 10 years, I'll tell you. So Dave and, right. and Chris Nagy you. and, you know, there's been a lot of market structure nerds there to talk. It is. It's a great, Twitter. it's a great scene. Um, and we're, we're, you know, even Reddit has become a place to learn. Um, and uh, we're actually going to build um, a new site we're calling it irvin.finance and um we're probably going to crowdfund the the funding for that and part of it is going to be focused on getting better data into the hands of retail investors because the data that their brokers are providing them is pretty poor um, and part of it is going to be providing um, support for communities to do collaborative research together and then part of it is going to be education and advocacy what what kind of data are we talking about like short interest data or or, or what it, Gonna, uh, every every high quality data set we can get access to, we're going to provide and, and we're going to put it in context because that's another problem is people really struggle to interpret a yeah. lot of the information out there. But I mean, when I'm coming at it, I'm thinking market data because that's what I'm used to, right? So we're going to provide the highest quality market data. I, the, the market data, like if you go on uh, on a big retail broker's active trading platform and just go look at time and sales, you won't believe there's even an order protection rule because you're seeing prints outside the NBBO all over the place. And you're seeing this jumbled data because they don't invest any money in their data. And it's the worst data you can, that you can find. Um, it's been kind of shocking to me. So when people see conspiracies all over the market, a big part of that is they're seeing really poor quality data. And they're not they're not having that data put in context for them. And so that's another thing that that you know we're setting out to fix. Um, and you know, speaking of short interest, I think that's a uh, you know, I, I wanted to to bring that up and ask you guys, because Dennis, I know in terms of naked shorting, uh, that's something that we probably will will disagree on. And, uh, you you know, you have said on Twitter that you don't believe that this is occurring at all, or no, if it is, no. it's de minimis. And so I'm, I, I'm I think curious. it's small. I think it's you smaller. Think it's small. than, yeah. I think it's smaller than what everybody thinks. I, I, the, the thing is what, what it upsets me, because we're getting this big movement, and I like the movement. Yeah. And I think they're focusing on the wrong spot. I mean, naked shorting is already illegal. So, you know, you can't really ask the regulators to make it illegal. It already is illegal. I mean, we do have a market maker exemption. Yes, maybe they could, you know, curtail that to a certain extent, but you still need liquidity. So I don't know if I totally agree with that. But, um, you know, I, I'd like the focus to switch from, you know, this naked shorting. We got to stop the naked shorting to start focusing on stuff that you just talked about for the last 10 minutes is, you know, let's focus on, you know, getting more orders onto the exchange. I'd like that focus to, to move. So I think, you know, where I'm trying to, you know, with the naked shorting saying, I don't think it's a big deal. I wanted them to focus on the bigger deal. So I kind of wanted to switch the focus. But, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, talk the naked shorting for a, a minute because I want to hear uh, what you think about it as well. 
Yeah. So I mean, I agree, I agree in 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 some part. I I do I, again, this, and that's why I talk about it. I do want the focus to be on this this complexity of markets and this you know these inducements and incentives. But um, I from what I have seen, and I, and for the last couple of years, I have been doing different types of analyses, uh, including market manipulation, looking at public market data, um, and looking at court cases and enforcement actions. And I, I can, from what I have seen, it is a problem that is actually much more rampant than most of us would have thought coming out of a well-regulated you know, yeah. entity. Like if you work at a place that has a strong compliance department and you're used to you know, dealing with all of these controls and, the, and back office settlement procedures, and you know the kinds of things that take place when you get your locates in the beginning of the day and how you have to manage that and any fails that happen, you're, you're, you come into it and you're like, oh, you know, it's, it, it doesn't really happen. And when it does, it gets resolved quickly. But then you start looking at some of these enforcement actions that are well documented mm -hmm. in recent times, not like mm -hmm. pre-reg show, but you know, in the last few years, there have been FINRA enforcement actions, there have been private lawsuits, there have been SEC enforcement actions that kind of uh, show, I think, a very tiny piece of a much larger problem. And I do believe that naked shorting is a big problem in markets, and, and I think it's often paired with market manipulation. Um, and I, I, from the studies I've been running, I've seen astonishing examples of clear market manipulation in public market data um, that is, as far as I can tell, not being um, surveilled or enforced at all. Uh, you may be right. And I think you make a good point as I put on the glasses and I'm coming from a prop firm that's highly regulated. We clear Goldman. I mean, the regulation at Goldman is ridiculous. So I, I come with the Goldman lens on and think that, you know, I, I don't see how this could be rampant because if I was doing naked shorts, Goldman <laughs> would shut me down. There, the Goldman is watching this. It's not just regulators. Goldman watches their customers and makes sure there's locates. And, you know, we're very regulated at Bright Trading probably because of Goldman. But maybe you're right. You get some I had of these thought smaller, the same thing. Smaller BDs, you know, maybe it opens my eyes up too um, because maybe some of the, some other stuff, maybe there is some shenanigans happening at these other BDs. I can't speak for them. I'm not with them, but it's even though it's illegal, I guess it could happen. So and you say you think it is happening at some of these smaller firms. I ha I've seen a lot of evidence of it. You know, I'm someone that, that needs to see data before I can believe something is happening. Yeah. And, I, and I've started to see, and not all of it's public because there are private litigation, there's private litigation taking place as well. There's enforcement actions taking place. But it, it has surprised me the extent to which I've seen it. Um, and then the ways that people are are trying to roll fails over, right? So, so they can amass large fails and then they can use synthetic uh, positions. They can use options. I mean, there's even documented court cases of people pushing their fails out to offshore affiliates of large broker dealers to, to warehouse them, which is something I'd never even heard of. I still can't quite figure out the exact mechanics of how it would work, but this is in, you know, it, this is in court cases uh, where firms have settled because of, of these issues. So can you uh, give I, us a few examples of that? Um, you know, I did post some um, uh, recently. We're, we're throwing okay. you on this. On, we're throwing I, you no, on this. Yeah. No, no, no. It's, it, it's, it's, so I, I, I had done an, an AMA on Reddit uh, with Wes Christian, who is a lawyer who works on these issues and has been working on these issues uh, for 20 years. Um, and, he had sent over um, some material. Here it is. So if you give me a second. Um, yeah, so it, it's just a slew of cases. Um, FINRA 
against Credit Suisse. Um, <clears throat> is it well, that, that the okay. fines aren't enough? Maybe is that what the problem here is? Because it is illegal. Oh, I, so I think it, very much so. Yeah, it's and the I, fines and maybe just aren't enough. Yeah, and I think regulators are not paying um, close enough attention to something like this. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to find a good example here. Um, a lot of these are from because you know these things take a long time um, to to sort of work through. You know, but here you know here's a Goldman case between November 2008 and mid 2013. Um, so that was long, you know, after post reg, you know, after reg show, and it was this auto locate issue. Did you hear about the auto locate issue at Goldman? No. <laughs> so you, I mean, you you would think Goldman is really competent and, and strong with, with their compliance operations. But at one point uh, they were, they had more than 20,000 locate requests a day and they had not increased the size of the team that was oh, managing by this action, yeah. th those responses. And yeah. so they added a key to their, uh, their, their system at the F3, they added a command, the F3 key, that would just automatically auto-locate, automatically. And that's all they did for all 20,000. So they never actually had the locates. And this, I mean, this was for five years they were doing something like this. Um, I think and, before 2008 and 2009, naked shorting was rampant. So I will say that is, I think, you know, they, you know, th th this was obviously something that regulators were hardly looking at it before the financial crisis and financial crisis did bring this attention. Dot Frank came in, you know, and they did regulate this more. And I, I do believe before 2010, even I say 2010, before it really all came in the new right. regulation that this was something. But, but because even like at interactive brokers, like I've been on interactive brokers for a number sure. of years and I, before 2010, I don't remember getting these buy-ins and, you know, now you get like, they don't locate it. They come in and they buy you in, you right, know, right, right away. Right. Like they're trying, cause they don't want to get fined. So, right. so, you know, there has been some positive change for sure from that regard, but um, you know, maybe the process still needs to be obviously cleaned up here. Maybe the fines need to be higher. Yeah, you know, I'm seeing, you know, again, a lot of these uh, from 2015, 2016, um, you know, these are not such old cases. Um, and uh, it, it, it just, I, I think that it's an area that we need a lot of improvement. And I, I think that we should see uh, some better oversight, not just regulators, but private firms, you know, as you're talking, the brokers who have the responsibility, the DTCC, um, who's, you know, there have been some rule changes coming out from the DTCC, but I, I don't think anything that will, will actually make a material difference on this. And, you know, I know what um, Bill Hart's explanation, as you've been talking about it on yeah. the 140% GameStop short, but but you can't tell me that it makes any, I, I, I still don't believe that it makes any sense that you can have that level of synthetic shares out in the market, right? That, that you have more, because for every time there is a short uh, that is failed, and that adds over and above the float. That's another share that someone out there bought and thinks they're holding, right? But actually isn't, uh, unless that old that 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 position ultimately gets delivered. I mean, that's another issue all in itself that he's brought up because obviously, you know, there's too many synthetics if you're lending the same shares again and again and again. I mean, that's a whole nother can of worms, which you know, right. I'm not sure anybody knows how to solve that one either. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think it's a big problem, you know, yeah. and I think we we need much stricter oversight on shorts and borrows and locates it. And it's a it's a dark area of the market. There's not a lot of transparency. It's one of the least transparent parts of the market. 
This has been uh, a f- uh, fantastic, fascinating discussion. I, I forgot who said it earlier, but it feels like I'm just watching two smart people have a conversation while I, I'm over here just eating crayons because that's that's kind of what it feels like. But uh, uh, that's what the apes say. <laughs> <laughs> Dave Lauer uh, is. Uh, uh, it's been our guest. Uh, you've seen him on Reddit. You've seen him on TV. He's, his uh, new site's got Irvin AI. He's the CEO there. Dave, uh, would love to have you back here in a little bit just to keep tabs on this because this has been this has been a fantastic discussion. Thanks a lot. Sure. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks, Dave. Right. Always good to talk to you. All right. Uh, we we went way long with Dave, but that's all right because it was a great conversation. Yeah. So hope you guys enjoyed that. If you did, drop us a like. We'd appreciate that. Dave uh, Lauer is a great follow. Like we've talked yeah. market structure for years, and it's funny he says, you know, it's like we even when we were bringing market structure experts on the show, we used to do it like more regularly. We obviously we, we bring Tim on, but yeah. it seems like four or five years ago we do that and people just weren't interested but they're starting to become interested in market we're ahead structure. of our time dennis yeah we i know we're, we're too ahead, ahead of our time i mean i'm talking this stuff we're a legend in our own mind. nobody nobody cared we did that study in in, in in 2015 in the cfa institute and it got zero media attention you know i was talking about the quote rolls i was like i was like this is so awesome i'm like look at this you know that the whole lick quote's only getting executed when it's getting picked off and we had you know we had all the studies and the data to, to show when when we were looking at at this and <laughs> there was zero interest no media attention you, you we can, brought it to the regulators the regulators eyes were glazing over as we were talking about it i mean it was boring it's hard to understand coming cool it's hard to understand yeah. it's it is the stuff's hard to understand and as soon as you're not understanding one concept and then we build on that concept and we build on that concept and the other the person's looking at you is like i have no idea what you're talking about yeah <laughs> yeah that's it that's it all, all right, right. Got, all right guys sorry i was a little late getting getting started we did get to cover a lot of tickers but uh, i'm gonna go hop over to premarketprep.com and cover them and uh spencer get back with you at 3 30 all right all right have a good one let's get the internet all fixed uh dennis any final thoughts before i mean we missed while we were talking with dave Splunk announced an, an investment from Silver Lake, so that that blasted off. Boom. Fubo just had a headline; they're they're joining the Russell three thousand, so that's going up. So we got some movers here. Oh, that, that's that. We knew they were joining the Russell three thousand, but let's put out a headline that we're joining the Russell three thousand, so that everybody knows we're joining the Russell three thousand. Yeah. Well, how so Russell three balance Friday, folks? There's going to be some fireworks. There will be some build up towards that. Stocks going in historically have tended to trade up into the event stocks coming out historically have tended to trade down into the event the event being the fourth friday of june but again i've seen this trade go the other way 10 years ago if you would ask me i'd be long all the ads and short all the leads going into the event and usually banking coin that is not the case it gets crowded it goes both ways sometimes so it's a more unpredictable event so, like I said, the way I play it is to provide liquidity into the close on Friday um, as opposed to trying to get a portfolio ahead of the event because sometimes that portfolio can get ugly if you're on the wrong side. Yeah, uh, and that'll be Friday, so keep keep that on your radar for this week. Um, all right, Dennis, have a good rest of your day, man. Good luck okay, out there. Okay, thanks. That was great with Dave. Yeah, that was uh, who was it? <laughs> Dylan saying boo, Spencer, because I took the guest away. Well, you know, people we'll got bring it back. We'll, we'll, we'll bring Dave on, but you know we kept him on for like 20 minutes. That's a long time. We, we went overtime with Dave. Yeah. We just, usually it's 10 to 12 minutes. We went tw- over 20 minutes, 22 I minutes, I think. So we went overtime for Dave Lauer. Yeah. Great, great stuff. All right. Uh, let, let's just go through a couple movers here, and then um, uh, I'll, I'll get off the stream, and we can uh, 
watch David Green live trade the open. Uh, we're all set with David Green for today, right? Okay. So let, let me bring up my Benzinga Pro. There it is. I mentioned the Splunk headline. Uh, this came out while Dave was on, uh, or just beforehand, I should say. They announced a $1 billion investment from Silver Lake. So this feels to me like a secular thing. Like it, 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 I'm getting the sense that every day there's another positive headline on the cybersecurity space. We also had an upgrade this morning. Was it was it uh was a CrowdStrike? I think it was CrowdStrike, right? Yeah, Stiefel upgraded to buy, raising the price target to three hundred dollars. So CRWD is you can see the activity this morning trading higher. It does seem like every day there's another positive headline for stocks in this space. Okay, so I've mentioned this before. I do own the CIBR nasdaq uh cybersecurity etf but whether you're looking at that whether you're looking at individual names like crowdstrike like splunk um even FireEye, which never really moved for a while um starting to maybe show a little bit of life actually no it's not take that back but um you can look at like palo alto right you can look at CyberArk. um there's been some MA in the space right uh, uh cloudera just got just got bought so I'm getting this this general sense that that every day that that there's just a positive sentiment towards cybersecurity right now. Um, And and I I like the whole space, which which is why I own uh, CIBR. But today you get the Splunk headline, you get the CrowdStrike upgrade. Uh, Wouldn't talk me for a second if the entire space trades higher today. Um, uh, Yeah, Fortinet. There's one that I missed. Thanks. Uh, I didn't name all of them. Uh, Oh, look at Fortinet. Look at that thing. It's been a beast. Yeah, data, data dog, same thing, right? Yeah, I mean, they all kind of look strong in the last couple months, right? So I, I like the whole space. Uh, yeah, there's there's a few other ETFs, right? There's there's uh, there's CIBR. Um, Altdoz is mentioning Bug. There's there's like a here. Let's like look them up here. We can do it in on this site that I use, ETFdatabase.com. Uh, oh, I have to... Uh, have to log in. There's a there's like a half dozen or so major cybersecurity ETFs. Just pull it up on the screen. I'm going to show you guys. Give some free promotion to this website that I that I pay for um, and like to bring up every so often because I think it's super valuable. Um, ba, 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 one second. I'm just gonna bring up my screen and have you all take a look. And what I'm seeing, okay, where is my, all right, that's weird. Oh yeah, the C, the uh, the hack is the big one, right? H A C K. All right, I don't know why. Right, too hard to find right now. But hack, C I B R, bug, those those are the big three. There's a, there's a couple other ones that I'm forgetting. But um, what else did I want to mention? I wanted to talk about, you know, I I mentioned the the Splunk headline, the CrowdStrike upgrade. There was a few other headlines that I saw come by my newsfeed while we had Dave on that I wanted to hit on before I hopped off the stream. Oh yeah, Fubo was one, right? So FUBO, we just talked about that with Dennis, right? This this one's been strong 
Let's bring up my chart here. Fubo has been strong. Um, and they're just announcing five and new news, right? Not even new news. This was, this was out. This was out two weeks ago. If you watched our show, you saw us talk about this. And here's how I know. You Google Russell Reconstitution 2021. It brings you to this page. Okay. You add, you, you, you go to the ads list, which is right there. Boom. Every Now half, not half, but like a certain number of these companies have now have since come out with press releases saying, oh, we're joining the index. Look at Fubo. They're in there, right? Not new news. This was that two weeks ago. But anyway, the market doesn't seem to know that or care. So I don't know. Um, ba, 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 what else? Uh, Coupon Boy is asking about MUD's earnings. I know they were debating this one on SPAC's attack the, the other day. All right. What did Tops do? Uh, Q1 sales of $59.3 million, up 55% year over year. All right. Uh, they see sales for the for this year at seven hundred seven hundred forty million dollars. Um, yeah, stocks up, and let's let's go to a bigger. No, let's leave this. Uh, stocks up pre market, looking nice, looking nice. Um, I think it, they were debating Mud versus Playboy on on Spacks Attack, and I think I gave my vote towards towards Playboy, um, only because I just to me the whole like trading card thing it seems just so cyclical and i get there's like the nft angle and i know that the market's hot right now i got friends that are that are back in doing trading cards now and trying to make money doing that would great for everyone doing that but i just think this is this is such a cyclical thing um i i i can't see that being a long-term trend i see this more of like a short-term thing so that's just my take but anyway looks like good numbers for 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 tops last quarter i don't i'm not sure when the uh, merger vote is um but Mud's not looking that bad over the last couple of days. It's still in a downtrend, but you know, hanging around that eleven dollar range. Um, yeah, Mitch says he thinks I'm wrong. To to each his own. Agree to disagree. Uh, he says Mitch said Mud's was the winner of that debate on Spax Attack. If you're talking about, thank you, Vegas. All the cybersecurity uh, ETFs I couldn't remember. Uh, there is they're up on the screen. iHack. That was the one I was thinking of. iHack. Um, so there's a few tickers. If the space interests you, as it does me, that you should take a look at. Again, I own the CIBR, uh, or just look at the individual companies that are within those indexes or ETFs to uh, check it out. Um, all right, what else did I want to say? I think that was it. I'm, I know. Oh yeah, Alf. We we had the Alf headline. Alf is the same story, right? Uh, we talked about. Oh no, we didn't. So Alf announced a buyback this morning, right? A two million dollar buyback. All right, so the stock is up. All right, what is what is the float here on ALF? See if we can take a look. How many shares outstanding? 12 million shares outstanding. So the float's going to be lower than that. And now it's going to be even lower than that because they're doing a buyback. So, all right. Stock's up. You can see this morning. Pre-market chart going, looking like, looking like we're going to 10. And Alfie, we had this headline in Benzinga Pro. Looks like we had the exclusive about a half hour ago, or a little more than that now, 40 minutes ago. Um, hey, buybacks, as I said, buybacks are hot. Buybacks are the thing to do now. I, I, I believe we talked about this last year where we saw this, we, we thought this could happen, right? Because all these companies are going to be flushed with cash from the government and STEMI, and they could either pay their workers more or just buy back their stock, and a lot of them 
probably buying about their stock here. Um, what else, Larry? Any good spacs? You, you got to wait two hours, Larry. Tune into Spacs Tech to to talk about find out what what the good spacs are, man. That uh, we have an entire show devoted to that every day from eleven to noon. What else? I just wanted to make sure I wasn't missing anything in chat, and then I will hop off in in a few minutes and see the floor to David Green. He's going to live trade the open from nine thirty till about eleven o'clock every take. We got spacs tech. After that, we've got our power hour. We've got Get Technical, our show just for charts. At 1 o'clock, the BZ Crypto Show is at 2 o'clock. Biotech Buzz, back today at 2.30. we got the At The Close Show with Joel and I at 3.30. Money Mitch at 4. And then the Cannabis Insider Show at 4.30. Last show of the night will be Trading Nomadic at 7 p.m. Uh, I mentioned this yesterday, and I want to mention it again today. The next Benzinga Boot Camp is this coming Saturday. If you have not attended a boot camp before, maybe check it out. could be of interest to you. I'm going to put the link in chat right now. You can also go to BenzingaBootCamp.com to learn more. There is the link. Nick Shaheen will be there. He's a uh, longtime friend of the show. Uh, Dave Kang from Prosperity Trader. Dan Pipitone from Trade Zero. Michael Edward from True Trading Group. They're going over setups, charts, options, the whole thing. It's a full day of programming, uh, 10 to 6 on Saturday. Uh, the Benzinga Bootcamp link is in chat or BenzingaBootcamp.com to learn more. Da, 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 da. Our styles. We got a lot of great feedback on today's show. I guess we have to get Dave on more often. Um, but I'll be honest with you guys. A lot of this stuff goes over my head. It really does. Right? It really does. Oh, thanks for the reminder, Bill. Let's talk about plug in a second. But a lot of this market structure stuff is super complicated, right? And that that's why I sort of roll my eyes a little bit, I have to admit, when I see like people on, on social media, doesn't matter what platform, right? It could be Reddit, could be Twitter, could be Discord, whatever. When I see people arguing about market structure, uh I, I roll my eyes because like I know that this is complicated and I and I the majority of us and I'm I'm in this camp as well probably don't understand as much as we think we do right like i know people like dave get it people like dennis get it tim quas gets it um joe saluzzi uh gets it but most people i you know i i think on the internet i because i just know how complicated this stuff is and so that's why i sort of roll my eyes at, at, at these arguments these debates people have because this stuff is just so complicated so maybe i should learn to, to just trust more uh but I'd rather I'd rather be skeptical of everything that I see. Okay, Plug Power had earnings. Thanks for the reminder. We didn't get there on today's show. ELUG had earnings this morning. The only really notable report uh, overnight here. Uh, EPS uh, missed. Jesus, the lost twelve cents versus an eight cent loss estimate. Sales of seventy two million versus seventy six million dollars. All right, I'm missing the miss. Let's just go super long-term on this plug power chart. This is what gets me every time. You can talk about the short-term story or whatever you want, but I can't get past this, right? This is not a new company. They've been around for 20 years, more than that. Okay, ballot power, same thing. Fuel sales, same thing, right? Uh, we're Aaron, Bree, and I were talking about this yesterday. Like We were looking at an ETF. The ETF sounded great, right? It was like a hydrogen ETF. It sounded super cool. And the top holdings were plug and ballot power and fuel cell. And like, if this company was so disruptive, wouldn't they have done it by now is my question. I don't know. I look at this. I just see overhead supply, overhead supply, overhead supply. So 
the conference call is going on right now. You, you can click on this and Benzinger Pro to listen. But um, I don't know. I, I, I can't get behind these. Sorry. Can't do it. Uh, okay. Uh, what else? I, I just don't want to leave anything in chat before. Yeah, stock is up. Go figure, right? I don't even know. I don't even know. Maybe maybe what they're saying on the conference call is good. Who the hell knows? Uh, what's everyone trading today? I, I just want to find a find a couple more tickers to keep my eye on, and, and then and then I'll leave. But uh, David Green will start at around nine twenty five. Um, Marvel, that's a good one. U.S. Steel every day. We can ask about U.S. Steel every day. It's crazy. Let's go to let's go to our movers tool in Pro just to see what's up, what's down. You know what's down? Every single crypto stock. And Asana, finally. Jeez Louise. I thought it was never gonna stop going up. That's not Asana. That's Asana. I thought Asana was never gonna stop going up. Down yesterday. No, that's today. Down this morning. Taking a breather for once. Jeez Louise. You know what's interesting? Is Asana does the same thing as Monday.com, right? What's Monday? M-N-D-Y? Yeah. We just had its IPO. Monday. Um, it's done okay, actually. Okay. For some reason, I thought Monday was down. I, I guess because it was down yesterday, but I didn't realize it had gone up that much from the IPO. Okay. Interesting. Um, okay. That's going to be a wrap for me. I think what I want to do almost is just leave the stream up. You know what? Let's try Let's try something new. Let's try an experiment. I've been uh, a couple of times in the, over the last few weeks, I've been bringing on the, the turning on the squawk and binging a pro. And it's always been like middle of the day uh, after the open, like 1030 or whatever, or 11 o'clock. Let me bring on the squawk right now into the open for a few minutes here. I'm going to turn this on in, in Benzinga Pro. And we may, I assume we're going to hear some squawks from Charles because this is a busier time in the morning for him. So um, if you don't know what the squawk is, guys, it's probably the most loved and the most known feature in Benzinga Pro. Um, it We have a guy whose job is to just read headlines out loud so you don't have to be looking at your screen to actually see them and allows you to do other things like look at charts, for example. Uh, this is Benzinga Pro, by the way. If you don't know it, you should get to know it. Pro.benzinga.com. Free two-week trial and discount code YouTube20 to get 20% off any Benzinga Pro sub. So we've got the squawk on. We've got our movers tool. Oh, look, a mixed shelf offering from her uh, H&R block. Pull up a chart. Probably not up because it's H and R block. Oh, no trades. Look at look at H and R block. Oh my gosh, guys! Why don't we just close our eyes and buy literally every stock in the world last last March and April? That was. We should have just bought everything. Stupid. 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 Anyway. Yes, thank you for the reminder, Born to be Free. Drop me a like if you can. I would greatly, greatly appreciate that. I derive my value 
from how many likes I get. So the more likes, the the more I like myself. 450, not bad. Let's get to 500, though. We're almost there. And let's just wait for a squawk. If you haven't heard the squawk before, uh, I would like you to. Because as I said, it is the... Um, it is one of the uh, most known features. R-U-T-H, Romeo Uniform Tango Hotel, Roots Hospitality Group. April comp restaurant sales up 2.1% versus 2019. May comp sales up 6% versus 2019. That's R-U-T-H. So there we go. So the, you can see the headline in the news feed. It says on June 7th, the company made a... $35 million debt repayment. That's Romeo Uniform Tango Hotel, Roots Hospitality, R-U-T-H. So you, what you, you, you just heard the headline right there, right? And you can see the headline is not even in the news feed yet, right? Because obviously it's easier to read a headline than it, it, than it is to type one out, right? And that's the value of the squawk right there is that it's just it's faster than, than the news feed. Now, obviously he can't squawk everything, he, can, he only squawks the the headlines that that he deems most important uh, or most likely to move a stock. Um, and but there's a value of, of of the squawk right there is it 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 beats the newsfeed just because speaking is faster than typing. There's the headline just came in. So Ruth gave some strong numbers, strong sales numbers for for April, up two percent versus twenty nine. That actually seems a little bit low to me. I would have assumed. Uh, uh, oh no, but here's May. Look at May, up 6% versus 2019. That seems more like it. There's the value of the squawk right there. Can we bring Charlie to the show? Uh, no, we, we can't. I have tried many times to get Charles to come on uh, this show or any other show. Uh, that is not Charles' style. Charles, um, frankly... He can't because he's busy, right, doing his job. Um, but also, that's not his style. He he respectfully declines to come on to come on our shows, and so I don't blame him. The guy is up at five in the morning every day and squawking. Uh, so, but no, I would love to get Charles on the show. Charles, if you're listening, which uh, you, you might be, please come on, man. I've asked you many times over the years, but he 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 doesn't want to. Uh, um, he doesn't want to. So. That's that, that that's his prerogative. <laughs> um what else? What else? Oh, that's hilarious. Thanks thanks for telling me that, Quebec. I think someone uh I think Luke did that, I bet. You you can change other people's names. I guess my name was spelled wrong. Thanks for the awareness. <laughs> Uh, funny, funny stuff. No, he he's a busy guy. WK Harris, he's a busy guy. He, he uh, again, he, he's he's doing his job right now. He's kind of working, but uh, nah, doesn't want to doesn't want to come on the show, which is fine. The only one to hear Charles is in the squawk. He's in Benzinger Pro, and in uh, Think or Swim. If you have TOS, he's also in there. Part of the 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 the, the mystery, the lore. Of Benzinga Charlie, right? Uh, all right, nine twenty-two. 
that's going to be a wrap for me here. Everyone, as always, please remember that all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes, not for investing or trading advice. Thanks to our guest today, Dave Lauer. Got a lot, a lot of great feedback in the chat. Uh, if you like the interview, uh, tell us. Shoot us an email. Shows at Benzinga.com. If you liked it or if you hated it, if any feedback at all, we are game to hear it. Shows it's on, it's on the screen right there. Shows at Benzinga.com. Tell us who you want us to get. We 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 do our best to uh, to not only respond but also to reach out to people who 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 are uh, chat and who our viewers suggest we reach out to. So if there's somebody else like Dave, some other market structure uh, guy, former trader, former you know high frequency trader, whatever. Um, let us know. Shows.pinsgun.com. You can tweet at us, but shows.pinsgun.com is probably the best way to get feedback directly to the team that goes to all the producers and, and hosts here at Benzinga. Um, again, Benzinga Pro, free two-week trial. YouTube 20, we get you 20% off. If you are a... Uh, or if you have your own platform, you want to become an affiliate of Benzinga, you can do that. You can get paid for sending new uh, subscribers to Benzinga. Get 30% on every new subscription you send our way. The link is at the bottom of the screen there. It's benzinga.partnerstack.com to become a Benzinga Pro affiliate. Uh, David Green is up next. He is, of course, from Wall Street Global Trading Academy. This video will redirect to that, so you shouldn't have to do anything. You should just be able to stay tuned and... uh, Watch David live trade the open. That's going to be a wrap for me. Everyone, good luck today. I will see you a little bit later. David Green from Wall Street Global Trading Academy is up right now. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.